You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome everyone back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm your host, David Woods, from the UCLA site on 247, <laughs> Barun Report Online. That's pretty good. We're Boris and Natasha of you. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and it's a very spooky podcast of champions coming at you live from our studios. We got to recap week nine. Preview week 10, we got officiating blunders, we got media rights deals, which David loves, lots of stuff to talk about. We had the interim head coaching bowl, we got a big Friday game, no more buys going forward. This is great. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Five Pac-12 teams ranked in the AP top 25. And that matters for something, right? It totally, totally Totally doesn't matter, but it matters to some to some of us. Uh, welcome everyone in. If you are watching us live on YouTube, thanks so much. We are just about to 500 subscribers, so make sure you smash subscribe that like button. If you are listening and you have not yet subscribed to our show, if you are listening and you have a second Google account, uh, subscribe again. Okay, do you understand subscribe. me? Yeah. Um, and if you're watching us live, I will put your comments up on the screen as we go about this. Um, I will try to pay attention to what's going on there. And if you have questions, you can put question. I will start. And we can come back to it later uh, in the show. We do have a whole lot to get to today. If you want to contact us, you can email us. We got some emails. I know we did a later show last week, so we don't have as many emails today, but that's okay. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. You can tweet us at Pac12podcast on the website, Pac12podcast.com. All our content. Dave will tell you not to go there. I say you should go there because I put a lot of work into getting that post up. We can see every week what our POC power rankings are. You know, maybe you have a, a team that was number 12 one week and they're somehow the first next week. I mean, that happens. That's just the way we do things. Um, you go over to Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. Most importantly, the Apple podcasting app. You got your iPhone, you got your iPad, you got your MacBook, whatever it is. You got that podcasting app. Make sure you subscribe. Follow us at the Podcast of Champions, and leave us a five-star review, a five-star rating, and any kind of review you want. It doesn't have to be a five-star review. It can be a five-star rating with a putrid review. We love those. If you want to talk trash about us, whatever it is, we have thick skin, sort of. We can take it. Uh, Dave, we got any new ones. I know it's- We do have. We do have two new ones. Really? All right, just in a few days. Just in a few days. It's amazing. This is from Jay Velo, five-star review. I didn't know this was a football show. Do you like good podcasts? Do you like nautical discussions about how long it will take to sail from Marina Del Rey to Husky Stadium? 
1,240 <laughs> nautical miles, five days and four hours. Do you like oh, hearing? A, do you like hearing a grown man? He answered one of our questions. Yeah. Do you like hearing a grown man make noises like he's a wildcat, a cougar, or a husky? How about name flipping jokes or even penis jokes? How about hearing uh, about being a TV extra? The podcast of champions is perfect for five of those things, and is a decent time killer if you've run out of other college football podcasts or if you are jonesing for jockey gift cards. Ian Rabraham and Wave Dudes sometimes do a live show on Thursdays, but also sometimes Mondays. A podcast that keeps you on your toes. Five stars. Very nice. I love that review. And we got another one. And uh, he did tell us how many nautical miles. So it would be like a little over five days to sail. We, we weren't sure about that before. I'm going to guess as to the remainder of the subject line because it's cut off. But this is from Eddie R2. Five stars. All Pac-12 refs should be brought up on FE dot dot dot. And I'm just going to guess that it's felony charges. Uh, USC 42, Utah 29, Pac-12 refs 14. Nice. So this is this is continuing uh, the whining from uh, two weeks ago. Right. We got well. We got ref talk to get to uh, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I it's a testament to USC's fortitude that it's they were. A, they, that, that, hang on, thing. hang on. That they were able to escape the dreaded confines of Tucson with a victory despite not being able to try a field goal at the end of the first half. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say this is more of a national I mean, uh, response they, they, they to were, the Pac-12 refs. It's they a, were only what? Like two-point favorites in that game? And it's not about USC. It's about the entire Pac-12. So we can... What we got they Wilner uh, chiming in. We got Canzano. We got Was Arizona favored? Pa- Arizona might have been favored in that game, right? No. I, I love how you try to just, you know, diffuse the situation... It's not. I don't care what happens in the game. Mm-hmm. It didn't decide the game. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, it decided a game. Mm-hmm. This one didn't decide. A it game. decided. Oh, two weeks ago, it didn't decide. It game. changed the alter. It altered the game. Yeah. Uh-huh. The result. Well, I mean, if if they'd been able to try that field goal, who knows what what might have. No, happened. for Arizona, that doesn't matter. Uh, well, what mattered for Arizona? Wasn't there a, a bit of an issue towards the end of this game? Kind of a BS. Uh, oh, complete yeah. BS. Okay. Yeah, they right. took that. Probably took. For, Added four points to USC. Well, he made the mistake of trying to hold Caleb Williams' hand. Yes. You can't do that. No. That Not was... after the guy is uh, falling down. You just got to just let him fall. No. You don't grab his hand. It was very bad. But we'll get all that stuff. Uh, Robert wants to know, where are the costumes? Uh, I did I was at a, did a live show last night and had a costume. I asked Dave this morning if he wanted a costume. I have small children, so no, I don't wear costumes. Uh, don't you take your kids out trick or treating? So here's the stuff? thing about Halloween for me. I never got into it as an adult. Like, even in college when it was just like a you know, a drunken fuck fest. I, 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 I was never into it. Like, okay. I, I don't know. Like it's, uh, the dressing up as an adult, never been a big fan. Interesting. Like, I don't know if it's like, I've had a hard time transitioning from like these childhood holidays to like making them like some adult thing. Gotcha. All yeah. right. I take my kids trick or treating. That's what I do. That's there my contribution go. to the hey, holiday. That you do you do you. Halloween kind of like people fall One of my one of my daughters is a cat ballerina this year. Oh. And the other one is Belle. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um I want to talk about our sponsor, my bookie. Uh yeah, they were great. I had a great week. So we both had a great week. I was 4 and 1, you were 5 and 0. Oh. Picks against the spread, 5 and 0, oh, David. And the one we got wrong was off by 1 point. I'm so mad. Like, so I listened to you. Well, you listened to me and s- switched your uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your your Washington State pick. That helped. I listened to you on the go all in on the UCLA game. 
Uh, so I put like triple my yeah, yeah. my units on that one. That was a really nice uh, payday at the end. I had one I, that missed by one point. I did a parlay with UCLA in it too, and I, I missed with the Oregon game. But it was a great day on my bookie for me, so hopefully it was for you guys too. You can double your deposit if you haven't gone on there yet. Uh, use the promo code PAC12, up to 1000 bucks if you deposit it into my bookie. Use our promo code PAC12, and you will get to double all that and bet all the money. We're on the roll now, man. We are, we are like... We're killing. We're going to kill the spreads right now. So I'm, I'm very happy. We're well above 500. Uh, but yeah, get in there with my bookie, promo code PAC12, and kill it. But I was, I was very happy. That you you definitely helped me with the UCLA thing. I'm like, you know, I feel pretty confident that Stanford's going to lay an egg in the Rose Bowl. And uh, man, did they. Well, and we'll get into that game, but it's not even that they laid an egg. It's that, that they're a horrible team, and they're a horrible team that was a very bad matchup against UCLA like the ways in which they are horrible are the ways in which UCLA is really really good and you knew going in not only is UCLA's offense going to be able to score but they're also going to be able to shut down that offense for Stanford yeah um so yeah that's the kind of expert analysis you get here on the POC and it, you know, don't pay attention to any other season this year we're <laughs> rocking it we we were rocking it until like the last year but it's funny you know we watch it enough and like my sort of theory was there was a lot of big home dogs and we just know how hard it is on the road for whatever reason it's tough you know Stanford looks like a different team at home and on the road and you know even Oregon um different teams don't look as good on the road so uh that's sort of what I went with last week and I think both of us kind of went along with that and uh yeah that was good we have some um so we got a lot of stuff to get to we have some big breaking news we have to start off right at the top uh the Stanford tree has been suspended for the rest of the calendar year yeah because Stanford is the enemy of fun. Uh, literally, he, they held a sign that said, what is it? Stanford hates Stanford fun. Stanford hates fun, and they've been banned for that. Yeah, and apparently, like, the different tree mascots kind of discussed this over time, you know, and they were like, oh, if, you have, if you're a tree mascot that wasn't suspended, like, you, were you even the mascot? Um, I mean, how dumb is this? But they were talking about, there's like a, a, you know, it's like a, it's not just the sports stuff. Apparently, if you want to have a party at Stanford, you have to register and like the registration party registrations are like way down. They put all this red tape in the way. So you can't have parties. I guess there's a kickoff party they would have to start the semester that they postponed. So Stanford is really making it hard for undergrad students to go out and have fun. And then the, the concern is, well, you can't, you know, they used to have like some open door policy where like under underage undergrads could like drink in their rooms if the door was open and now you can't. So people are hiding it and they're concerned about all this stuff. So it's, it was a big thing. I read the whole student newspaper uh, article on this, but this is this is concerning, Dave. People are, you know, you got to free the tree. This is not cool. I think it's part of uh, Stanford beginning to um, make their way out of Power Five FBS football. Like mm. it's just another step in that direction. Uh, see if they can smooth out all these like traditions, get them out of there, you know, get nobody enjoying it at all. David Shaw's already gone a ways towards that, right? <laughs> like the product on the field is already unenjoyable. But now they can't even enjoy it in the ironic way that Stanford has through time immemorial of we're terrible, but we have this fun band and this stupid tree that we, yeah, but like, and so we can all pretend like this is ironic rather than deeply devastating to watch our football team lose every week by like 40 points. But now you can't even have that. So now you're just watching a bad football team. Now you are just like New Mexico State. And who wants that? No. Nobody. New Mexico State with a bunch of billionaires as alumni. But yeah. yeah. So uh I think it's it's just part of uh delegitimizing the football program generally so they can move on to the Ivy League. But I think our official stance at the POC is free the tree. Is that fair? 
Yeah, free the tree. Free, free, free the tree. Where it's so stupid. And when Stanford was good, there was nothing more obnoxious than that. Oh, God, tree. yes. Like watching it dance around while like Jim Harbaugh is running the exact same play <laughs> against your defense. Just like the exact you. same running play just all the way down the field. And then they'll do it again all the way down the field. And there's just nothing you can do to stop it. And the entire time that King Tree is just dancing, again, Stanford just makes me curse. Uh, no, but I mean, that's the that would be the – when Stanford's good, that's the brilliance of it. Like this is how little we care. This is what we're putting out there to represent our university as we're like destroying you on the field. Like we don't even care about this sport, but we're still better at it than you. Mm-hmm. But it's also good when they're terrible and they're just getting crushed because then you can see the tree dancing around like, yeah, this ironic thing. Like it's great, you know. Stanford apparently hates fun, so they're stopping doing all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that we got five uh, Pac-12 teams in the AP poll. Oregon number eight, USC nine, UCLA 10, Utah 12, and Oregon State slipping in at number 24 in the bye week. So it's sort of like they went took a little nap and come back. I'm interested to see how this shapes up in the CFP, uh, the initial rankings. Yeah. Which Are they coming out this week? Tomorrow, Tuesday. Yeah. So because if if they hold with a similar setup or even maybe a little bit better – that leads me to think they're setting up for the Pac-12 to get a team in if they can get them in with one loss. Because setting these guys up all in a line, November 19th looms super large as an opportunity for some serious resume padding. Yeah. And allowing Oregon State to be at 24, that feels like a flip spot. Like if Oregon State wins on Friday, they maintain. But if Washington wins, they're going to take that spot. Um, it seems like they're setting up for these are the five Pac-12 ranked teams. These are the resume wins in the Pac-12. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's good, and I think, I, f- I forget who tweeted it out, but if you look at USC, UCLA, Oregon, Utah, those teams are 15-0 and against the rest, everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there one of those teams, is it Oregon State, is it Washington, can one of those teams get a win over a top four? And now you got Oregon State ranked, uh, we'll see, Oregon State had a chance, they, you know, they almost beat USC at home, um, you know, Washington wasn't very competitive uh, in their game against... I think their only opportunities left for those two teams are against Oregon. I think it's Washington, it's Washington, Oregon, and then Oregon State, Oregon. I don't think either of those two teams. I think, uh, I mean, UCLA's already played Washington. They don't play Oregon State. Yeah. USC's already played Oregon State. They don't play Washington. Yeah. And Utah. Wait, what is Utah, Utah went to Washington State. Um, they go to Oregon. And what else? Utah's Colorado left. Utah's Oregon left, but they don't have. Uh, yeah, they don't have. Yeah, Washington. they already played Oregon State, right? Yeah, and they beat them, and they don't play Washington. Yeah. So, yeah, the only the only team that's actually got to play the what I think we would say are the consensus five six teams in the Pac twelve this year uh, is Oregon. Unless it's like you know, is Cal going to beat somebody? Uh, is Arizona State going to beat somebody? You know, I I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, I we'll talk about the preview for this week. But I, I do think this this one this weekend I think is one of the remaining opportunities for a true upset. Uh, which is ASU UCLA? Yeah, no, that, ASU is playing a little bit better of late. True trap spot, and UCLA has to go to Tempe. Trenton Borke, yeah. Um, I was a little worried because they started him. I thought they were going to start Emory Jones, so I was like a little worried about my pick, but that ended up uh, working out. But yeah, it's and it's a road game, and uh, we've just seen, um, you know, it's been tough uh, on the road. So uh, in the Pac-12, so I mean, it's, it's a good thing for the conference, but you got a bunch of teams that are like. Four and one, five and one in conference, and a whole bunch of teams that are like one and four in the yeah. conference. You know, that's, I mean, I guess that's good if you want, I mean, you don't need parity anymore. Like, this is anti parity. So, this is sort of like. Yeah, Wilner had a good piece on that, just kind of this uh, idea that the parity 
having parity actually hurts. The fact that there are so many, you know, teams that are, you know, one and four means that there are a lot of teams that are, you know, five and oh, four and one. Yeah. Um, no, that's true. And what did Larry Scott want? He wanted parity. He wanted the opposite of this. This is way better for the conference. Yeah. Like just having good teams and, uh, you know, they beat up the bad teams and not like everybody beats everybody every week and it just doesn't matter. Uh, you, you probably don't care about the Big 12 media rights deal. They kind of jump ahead. Oh, no, God, no. They jump ahead of the Pac-12. You They're know, we'll getting see. like $32 million a school, right? It, that's not bad. Yeah, like when you lose... They, I'm they sorry. Won. What? That's not bad? Well, they... What's wrong? Is it bad? Your thesis statement for the longest time has been if you're making anything less than like $60 million a year, you're basically a group of five conferences. No, I've not been saying that. They lost Texas that, oh, sorry, Oklahoma. That, that was your take with Pac-12. No. Yes. I'm saying the it, others, because the other the, conferences are making that. What was the you, Pac-12's media deal going to be if UCLA and USC had stayed? It was going to be way more than $32 million a year. We don't. Uh, we think so. Way um, more. Like, And it was probably going to be in like the 45 range, right? Potentially, yeah. But like Texas and Oklahoma left. So that's, I mean. Right. But but you're they've consigned themselves to a group of five conference. Like they're, they're way below. So they can't compete, right? Because they're only making $32 million a year uh, per school? Uh, they're they're going to have a hard time competing with the SEC in the Big Ten. Uh, right. But I, I saw some numbers where they could get it up to like 50. It, you know, it depends. But they partnered with ESPN and partnered with Fox. Um, what does that mean? Is that sort of like, is it setting the the market for, I think if you're Klyovkov, you want to try to compare yourself to the Big Ten. But now that the Big 12 has a deal, ESPN, Fox, or whoever you're going to talk with is probably going to be like, we're going to compare you to that and not to what the Big Ten's doing. So I, I don't know what it means for the Pac-12. I think it forward. probably, I, I, I mean. The Pac-12 can beat that number, though, I think, for sure. Yeah, th- that's my take on it, is that I don't think they blew anything out of the water. Right. Um, yeah. I think the Pac-12 can get there or best it. And then that, I mean, what what that what that would read to me is that eliminates the Big 12 as an option for a lot of these schools looking for more money. I think you might be looking for a different competitive balance or whatever in the Big 12. Um, but frankly, if you're not going to the Big 12 for money, I would not be looking for ease of competition there either. Because the Big 12, it's going to be a competitive as hell football conference for the foreseeable future. I mean, they've got some hungry group of fives coming in yeah, um, who have competed at a lower level but have done it with less money. When they walk into $32 million a year, they're going to be like, wow, this is a lot more money than we are making. Um, so I don't think for the Pac-12 schools like the Arizona, Arizona State, there's necessarily an advantage in going to the Big 12 now. Now, obviously, it depends on the Pac-12 gets completely colluded against and, uh, you know, lowballed. But it's hard to imagine that happening. The rights still have value, especially on the West Coast, especially with the time slot availability. Yeah, that time slot's big. Um, yeah, we'll see as far as I think the Big 12 was going for some stability. They wanted to keep everybody together. Now, it might be. Hey, we got this deal, and hey, Arizona, Arizona State, like come join, and we have a clause in there. If you guys join, it goes up to this or something. I, who knows if there's anything else, kind of behind the scenes with something like that. So, but they they go for stability, and I think it's a six year. Like they it went kind of shorter. They'll be able to renegotiate before a, you know a couple other conferences. Um, and so, I mean, the length of the deal is one thing when you can renegotiate, and then who you're partnered with. Uh, you know, the Pac-12 is probably going to have a major digital partner like an Amazon or something. How long would the deal be? Uh, but they, you know, Brett Yormark, he wanted to make a splash. And, you know, they were instead of waiting for that 
window, they're still a couple years away. They went out and did something. So we'll see. I mean, things are changing on that front. I've got some breaking news. Brian Harson. What? Brian Harson's out at Auburn. Wow. Okay. So I mean, just with some Pac-12 openings, it's very Pac-12 to hire a fired coach on the rebound. So got to think ASU and Colorado are calling him. You would think, um, especially what we saw, like, like you know, when Clay Helton gets fired last year, it was obviously earlier in the season. Georgia Southern hires him, I think, in October, November. I forget which month it was. Yeah. But, you know, he's not coaching, but he's getting an opportunity to sort of like start building his program. If you get a head start, you already have an interim head coach and you bring in Brian Harson and your Arizona State or something. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's some, I mean, I think there's there's definitely an advantage there to getting it to get in early. You know, yeah. one of the reasons why you fire people early um, is that you can have opportunity to hire someone early. So, yeah, I mean, he is a mediocrity and nobody should hire him, but they might. So apparently he's got 30, 15 million coming. Half of it in 30 days. So you get fired, and within a month, someone's going to drop a like $7.5 million check at your door. That's kind of cool. Yeah. 21 games. He got 21 games at Auburn. Nice. Yeah. Uh, more than Sark had at USC. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I'd love to know what he did at the uh, alumni bash this year or whatever. Yeah. Wait, so <laughs> this is <laughs> so fun. Um, so the, we got to talk about the officiating. It's been a, a topic this isn't, yeah, I know, I know, like, stop with your, like, this is USC, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a crap about that. This is really, like, a problem. Um, I think of the timer. conference. Hang on. Do you feel this is a problem? Uh, the officiating? Yes. Uh, yeah, it always has been. Okay. Um, Kenzano, Wilner, uh, national guys talking about this all the time. For me, it's about, this is not what you want the Pac-12 to be known for. Yeah, so uh, the thing is, the Pac-12 is and has always been known for it. Um, it, It's not a new thing by any stretch of the imagination. It's been bad forever. I know uh, John was doing, uh, early part of this year, and it seemed like last year, was saying that the officiating had been better. Um, I think maybe on the margins. Um, But there's there's a reason there is like this, this, even across like national football media, and always has been, Oh, Pac-12 refs, it's like avant-garde, like who knows? Like, Because ACC refs are bad. Big 10 refs are bad. Big 12 refs are bad. SEC refs seem like the only ones who like generally people agree are like pretty good. Pac-12 refs have always been like this absurdity. Like, <laughs> so like, but, and this is where I, I guess I'm, maybe I'm missing the thread a little bit, but like, it's always been like this. I can't remember a time when Pac-12 refereeing was good. It used to be that they were true amateurs. Like these were just guys that they picked up from like high school games who were rough in the games back when it was, um, what's his face with the, was the uh, commissioner, uh, Jim Hansen. Yeah. Um, and they professionalized it a little bit more. Um, and I would say like the quality of the overall refereeing is actually probably better now than it was 10 years ago, but it's still very bad. They yeah. still do things like at the end of that half, um, completely screwing up the clock. Um, and, what we're talking about at the end of the day is whether or not USC could try a field goal, but it's still like, why wasn't there some sort of review at that point? Um, and it's those kinds of like procedural mess ups that seem to happen. I won't say every single year where it happens, where there's like one of those things where it's like, nobody else could have screwed that up the way the PAC 12 did. Yeah. Um, but every other year it feels like there's at least one where it's like, what the hell just happened? Like, how did that happen where they allow a team to walk off the field or whatever when there was a clock mishap 
or they give a team an extra down or they take away a down, um, which has happened this year, um, where they've attempted to review a play two plays after it was done. Um, and it's just like procedural the, things. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I think Kanzano called it like the basic operation, or maybe it was one of their, like the basic operations of officiating and running a football game. They screw that up. This isn't about like, Oh, that should have been PI or not, or that's not targeting or going to review that. Like just like the basic stuff of clock. I mean, um, I think Kanzano said it's like you have three teams out there and the Pac-12 officials are one of those teams and they're a struggling team. But like Dave Coleman, I know Wilner's written about that, you know, he had been an official for like two games and he's like running the officials uh, for the Pac-12. And there's some problems. I mean, the big sky, I guess, feeds the Pac-12 officials in basketball and they kind of like work as a farm system. There really isn't anything like that. And they've brought in people from all over the place and you have crews that don't work together and they don't gel together. I'm not, you know, for me, when remember when um, we got uh, Kalashnikov who came in. And I loved how candid he was about stuff. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. For whatever reason, when we brought up officiating, he was not like, that wasn't like, oh yeah, it's a problem too. It sort of was like, nope, that's not a problem kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure why. And maybe it's just, there's some deep rooted things that they just can't fix. And that's why it's been going on for so long. I wonder if it's um, supply. Um, I wonder if it's just the way they acquire it, the costs to do it better. Like, I wonder if there's something we're missing as far as like training and getting these guys available for the Pac-12 games. Um, But there is, I mean, there's a couple, I wouldn't even say there's a really good crew right now. Like there's a lot of these guys that I can identify by face and I'm like, that guy's bad. And the thing is, the way it is now is that Mothershed doesn't even stand out as one of the worst anymore. Um, and he's pretty bad. But pretty bad. but like I don't feel like the general level of incompetence. And also, I don't feel like he's... Because um, honestly, the way I judge it now is how many flags are you throwing? Because if you're th- the, the constant thing with Pac-12 is you just throw too many flags. That was the big issue like 10 years ago was when... Um, all those high-powered offenses were in the league then. It was like Noel Mazzoni's first couple of years at UCLA. It was Mike Norvell at ASU. It was Oregon still doing its thing. All of these things were going on at once, and every single Pac-12 team was leading the league in fouls and penalties. And it was like, well, they all are running tempo offenses. And it's like, yes, but even well, if you that- normalize it based on plays, they're still way above everyone else. Yeah. Um, and it's just because the league throws too many flags. And... You know, I think Mothershed, he doesn't, his crews generally don't, but they do screw up a lot. Like they screw up a lot of the basics. Um, but the league generally, I mean, it's always been kind of bad. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think it's um, at this point, I mean, we've t- talked about it every year. Like people ask a question in the offseason, like, what's the one thing about the league that you would fix? And my answer has always been make the officiating better. Um, at this point, it might just be the. Uh, acquisition of officiating talent the training of officiating talent like what do you need to have do you need to have like a refereeing academy um like do you need it to be former coaches like what do you need it to be to make it better um and uh i don't know if there's a good answer to that but i guess my point is it's always been bad it's always been pretty equally bad i I, the thing is everyone feels like they're getting screwed all the time yeah um everyone feels like their team is getting picked on by the refs I certainly felt that way when Stanford was literally never called for an offensive hold during the David Shaw years, um, the early David Shaw years before he became zombie David Shaw. Um, <laughs> but was any of that true or legitimate? Probably not. 
or if it does, if it was, it was just the variability and vagaries of you know incompetence. Right. Yeah, and I, that's my been my point. I know USC fans kind of get on me a lot of times. I'm like, this isn't. I don't think it's bias. I think if you have bias, you have to actually be good at your job if you want to try to alter a game. Well, and this if, is in a, a one way or another. So if this is a separate thing. The USC thing is a very distinct thing, and this I, I'm bringing this up legitimately. Nobody wants to hear rich people whine, and uh, I, I'm not using rich people like in specific to your wealth. I mean, nobody wants to hear the program that is born on third base whine about officiating. Um, nobody wants to hear that. So that's that's the reason why everyone is like, oh yeah, f- fuck SC. Who cares about your whining about whatever went on with the refs? Because nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. People want to like if Oregon State wants to bitch forever about some bad call that went against them. Fine, yeah, you're on the margins. Like that bad call changed the fortunes of your program or whatever. Uh, nobody wants to hear that from USC. Yeah, Be- beat Arizona by fifty like you should, and then nobody has to whine about the field goal at the end of the half. The funny thing, like back, and I think some of it's from USC fans, like. When USC was good, like in the Pete Carroll era, and there was a couple years, and and Carroll, I think, pointed this out, where it wasn't just that USC was the most penalized team in the conference, but their opponent was always the least penalized team. So something like that looked like, okay, that's statistically impossible, but that was always happening. And it sort of just had to feel like, okay, they're better than everybody else. We're just going to try to like help out the other smaller schools. And I think that's sort of where a lot of this started for a lot of them because they knew that that was going on. So Pete Carroll was whining about officiating all the time too. He didn't not all the time, but that was something he brought up in one of the press conferences and, and he, doing like statistical analyses of like, how he was getting screwed by the officials well, while like, they were going thirteen and zero. Yeah, like yeah. When you're like, well, how is this possible that we're the most penalized and our opponents are always the least penalized? I don't know. I'd look at it like, oh yeah, we're playing our third stringers in the fourth quarter. Those guys don't really know how to play. They're getting Maybe. a lot of holding calls. Maybe, but uh, yeah. So. And I, I think when you watch the the halftime of the USC Arizona game, and you know uh, Yogi, it's not sure what to say. Ted Robinson's not what to say. They go to the studio yeah, show. State media couldn't handle that one. They, yeah, it was exactly. It was sort of like the communist regime was sort of like, what do what do we say, comrade? Like uh, like there's a nuclear bomb going off in the back. Like everything fine. Go play in park. You know, like nothing to see here. <laughs> That's what it felt like. And, and I think the most poignant comment was like, that's not what the Pac-12 needs. And I was like, that's exactly right. Like, you just don't want – I thought we had a good week last week where we weren't talking about the officials all the time. And now, like, every – I mean, when you're hearing – like, I listen to national podcasts. I know you don't do that. They're talking about, oh, there was a great Michigan uh, – you know, with the Michigan – not Michigan, great brawl, but Michigan-Michigan State brawl or Ohio State, Penn State or Tennessee, you know, crushing – Kentucky or Kansas State shutting out Oklahoma State. And then when they talk about the Pac-12, the first thing they talk about is officiating. You're like, that's not what you want. You want to talk about these games, you know? So Yeah, especially this year. I mean, the, the league has has some really good teams this year. So you want a little bit more uh, focus on that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do our... But let's talk Pac-12 about the officiating. Roundup. No, Pac-12 Roundup. I know. I was being funny because we want to focus on the teams, and yet we're spending oh, half, well, I mean, half our initial time talking about the refs. No, no, no. Let's do the Pac-12 roundup. We have to do uh, the roundup. We did our, um, we got our power rankings. We got uh, five games that were in the books. Like I said, a great week of picking. A little upset. Dave got the little edge on me, but you know it was good. I think our our overall philosophies uh, were good. Uh, road team, big big uh, home dogs, um, and a lot of them covered. So the kind of way we thought. So let's go to our number twelve team, Colorado Buffalo. 
They were hosting our now number eight team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> In the interim bowl. The interim yeah. head coaching bowl. Final score really deceptive. Uh, Arizona State uh, suffered a backdoor cover. Uh, big time. Thank you. Backdoor cover. Thank you. Uh, 42-34 Thank- beat Colorado. This was 42-20. Um, and then Colorado scored two in junk time. Uh, one touchdown legitimate with their offense. The other yeah. one, a punt return touchdown. Um, it was uh, a beatdown. Uh, ASU, I think Sean Aguano had taken over play calling duties offensively for this game, and he should maintain those duties going forward. Uh, they also settled on the correct quarterback, uh, finally. Who was uh, that? Well, I'll put a picture of him up. Trenton Borgay. Yeah, I was a little upset because we picked we picked Colorado to cover at home, but assuming that Borgay wasn't going to play because we both thought Borgay was better. Yeah. And he played. Yeah, but we still covered thanks to the punt return for a touchdown. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. I've never been happier about a junk time score. Um but yeah, I mean, Arizona State, offensively, they were really good in this one. X Valade was really, really good on the ground. Um, they ran the ball really well. Um, yeah, I mean, compared to Colorado, like what Colorado had given up, was it that great? Meh. But, you know, getting over 100 yards when this offense had been struggling just the week before against Stanford, um, very good. And they should not go back to Emory Jones at any point this year. Uh, they have their quarterback, um, and it makes this offense... I won't uh, look. You've got to build in the Colorado effect that Colorado isn't good and neither side of their ball is good. Um, but they've got some pieces. I mean, Elijah Badger is really good. Um, Badger, 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 Snakey, Snakey. Uh, Valade is good. Like they've got some pieces um, offensively that can be dangerous to deal with. That tight end uh, had three touchdowns, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jalen Conyers, yes, and over 100 <laughs> yards himself. Um, now, Colorado, like, Colorado's really bad, um, but you've got to build in that effect. But still, um, you don't score 42 points um, with ease uh, if you don't have some pieces. Um, and then on Colorado's end, I thought JT Trout, um, within the confines of this offense, uh, was still pretty bad. Um, but think about where we were at the beginning of the year. Guy gets over 200 yards passing and two touchdowns, only one interception. Pay no attention to the fact that he was under 40% passing, and it's, you know, it's okay. Uh, Deion Smith ran the ball pretty well. Um, but, yeah, Colorado's a dumpster fire. Uh, they covered again, though. They are, they are now – they've got two wins against the spread this year. Not bad. Not bad at all. They did cover this one. We both picked this one, which was nice. Um, 557 total yards for Arizona State. Uh, but that late punt return, thank you for the cover. Uh, but this was the most total yards of season. Obviously, Iguano taking over the play calling duties helped a lot. Going to the right quarterback, I think that helped a lot. Um, curious to see. I mean, we're going to see this happen a lot where you get a transfer in and then someone, you know, local in the program ends up taking over the, you know, the job and they or beat out the, the, the transfer guy in. So there's a lot of weird stuff that can go on in college football with this transfer stuff. Um, Colorado. So they've allowed at least 38 points in all seven of their losses this season. I thought they'd be a little, you know, more competitive at home, sort of like we saw in the Cal game a couple weeks ago. Uh, but ASU came out and they scored in the opening drive, and they just looked like they were in control kind of right away. But this is their first loss by fewer than 23 points, and this is the most points Colorado scored all season. So, you know, Arizona State looks like they're getting better for sure, but I, I still feel like Colorado is more of a – like like they looked feisty a couple weeks ago. Last week they laid an egg. Wow, Colorado Ryan is picking the upset. Colorado over Oregon. No. 
Wow. Uh, probably to cover like wow. when we get to that. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, Colorado, they look better, though. Like, firing your terrible coach, the team looks better. Uh, they they still look bad. They're really, really, really bad. But I think they look better, if that's if you think that's fair. Uh, I think it's fair. They did need a punt return touchdown with, like, three minutes to go in this game to cover. Let's just... Let's remember. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's things kind of not like things just weren't exactly going their way, but whatever. But ASU looked a lot better too. Like they look, you know, they look more like a legit team. There was enough talent there. There's depth issues and all that kind of stuff, but you can make the the players that ASU had, they should have been playing better than what they were. And Aguano's, you know, doing that for them. So let's go to our number 11 team. We have Stanford Cardinals. And uh, they win the Rose Bowl, taking on our number two team. Although, because they gave up a late touchdown, I kind of wanted to drop this team, but we'll <laughs> keep them there. UCLA Bruins. They did. They did allow Stanford's second touchdown in three games. Yeah. That's, to me, that's like now UCLA should be like fifth. Now, was was Stanford's <laughs> first string still in there going against UCLA's like walk-ons? Yes. They were. Um, but it still counts, baby. Um, this was a really boring game because it went almost exactly to expectation for me. Um, like just kind of everything. And David Shaw threw no wrinkles in there, which was really weird. Um, weird that David Shaw did the exact same thing. He yeah. But does. like they, uh, uh, so coming into this game, Stanford was down its top three running backs and they were playing a walk on and a uh, guy who was started the year as a fourth stringer as their two starting running backs. Mm. Um, with that, you would expect them to like throw the ball a little bit more. When when they've been pressed the last few years, David Shaw's gone to like a pseudo air raid where they'll throw the ball like 50 or 60 times. Tanner McKee only had 29 attempts in this game. Um, and yeah, there were a few more that were designed for being a throw, and then he had to run it because uh, their offensive line is a trash can. Um, but they still ran the ball an insane amount in this game for both the 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 time and score and for the fact that they had no running backs and their offensive line is terrible. Um, just it, really bizarre. Um, but because of that, it went basically to expectation. UCLA um, was able to rebound significantly from that Oregon uh, defensive performance because Stanford's a better fit for what their personnel does. Like UCLA's linebackers are, are a step slow. Stanford's entire team is a step slow. Um, and so getting out there and tackling ball carriers on the perimeter is a lot easier against Stanford. Um, the edge rush uh, struggled against Oregon's offensive line, not going to struggle against Stanford's, which had been injured and also bad most of this year. So Tanner McKee was constantly getting pressed in the pocket. Every time they ran a slow mesh, it was either a one-yard gain or a tackle for loss. Um, just Consistency. It went exactly the way you would have thought defensively. And then offensively, um, I mean, UCLA scored 38, probably should have been more. Uh, Thompson Robinson was actually better than his stats show. He was 18 of 29 for a little under 200 yards. Ton of drops um, from his receiving core. This probably should have been 45-13, something like that. But uh, Zach Charbonnet was freaky good. Uh, he had 198 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, and then had an additional 61 yards uh, through the air. Um, and they ran all through, again, what was something we were expecting, a terrible Stanford rush defense. So... Went exactly the way I thought it would, which is rare. Um, and Stanford <laughs> is uh, is a is a very bad football team. They are. Very, that's my first note. Is Stanford is terrible. Yeah. Um, they won two games in a row, scoring one touchdown. But those were smoke and mirrors. Yeah, exactly. Those were smoke and mirrors. They scored a combined thirty-one points in those two games. Yeah. 
Notre Dame went on the road and, and beat the crap out of Syracuse. Notre Dame went on the road and beat the I think it was on the road, beat the crap out of a 7-1 North Carolina team. Yeah. And should have lost to Cal and did lose to Stanford, who didn't score a touchdown. Um, I mean, they scored one touchdown. It's, it's crazy. I don't they, know. They're, they're going to beat Clemson this weekend, aren't they? They might. Yeah. I don't know. Clemson's uh, only a four-point road favorite over Notre Dame at home. And Notre Dame lost to Marshall and Stanford at yeah. home. So uh, I don't get it. But they're terrible. Uh, if you like, you know, the running of the football thing. Like, so if you're an old school fan of football, you know, we have, there's a lot of passing right now. So if you're an old school fan, maybe the 324 rushing yards that UCLA had, you kind of get, you know, like that a little bit, 7.2 yards per carry. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty good. So a season high, um, you know, rushing yards, you know, 5.5 on fourth down. I'm five for five on fourth down. So and those were, and, and those were not like all like fourth and inches. Like no, there were like <laughs> there was like a lot of fourth and fives. And Chip Kelly's like we we make these decisions during the week. It's like, yeah. Oh, you we, do. Like, we make that decision when we see what Stanford's defense looks like. Fourth and five, like on your own side of the field. Like yeah, just go for it. What the hell? Okay, I mean that's fine. Like you go five for five. I don't know if that's more of a reflection on their lack of appreciation for Stanford's defense, or if it's just like oh yeah, their offense isn't going to move the ball at all, so we can go for it wherever we want to. Yeah. Uh, this is the third time since the start of last season that UCLA converted that many like at least five fourth downs like that's a lot to go for they've done it three times in the last yeah uh, but it's the first time uh to go perfect so going five for five well uh, the funniest part is they're five for five on fourth down five for 15 on third down <laughs> we gotta go a lot more fourth downs like they're just yeah. better at that they used so the one thing is they used Thompson Robinson a lot as a runner in this game there yeah. was a lot of like kind of speed option to the outside um he got hurt like he was getting dinged up throughout the game, and I he think, went into the medical tent like in between downs. Yes, and like, yes, oh, like, and, me... and like it was the kind of thing where you're like, could they just staple that tent shut? Because <laughs> they were winning it. this game by like 32 points, and he was still rolling out there. And it's like, no, 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 this doesn't need to keep happening. Stanford, you could give them how many quarters could you have given Stanford to score 38 points? Like how many would it have taken? Uh, well, it depends. like with the first string defense still in. How long would it have taken Stanford to score 38? So, I think it would have been like four games worth of quarters. Probably, but I think like if you just keep the people on the field, like I think the offense would be less <laughs> tired than the defense. So they would eventually just like kind of like – It's take, like when I play uh, – They'd be taking naps. They'd when like, I play shoots and ladders with my kids and I, I win, but then they want to finish the game. Oh. And I'm just like sitting there watching them just continuously just go down the shoots and I want to like just <laughs> die. I just want to like absolutely die sink into a puddle i love that you crush your team your kids at shoots and laughs. yeah and i don't go easy on them nice yeah you don't uh, want to do that and i like i like strategy like even with sorry like i do the numbers strategy like i'm like you know you got to get them all out of start and you got to get them all moving around like and, and like i i'm brutal about it well to answer your question stanford had a season low 270 yards so i don't know how many games that would take to get them up to uh, 38 points uh, like he said, ten quarters they went without scoring a touchdown. In this modern college football world, you go ten quarters without scoring a TD. Uh, crazy. Iowa had a big out, you know, uh, offensive output, and Stanford still cannot. Um, but like I, my little note here is like, we still should drop UCLA for giving up a touchdown <laughs> late in the game. So that's just my fair enough. That's the hill I'm going to die on. Okay, we got our number ten team, California Golden Bears. <laughs> And they were hosting our number one team, Oregon Ducks. <laughs> so Ryan sent me a text. I think it was when Cal went up 10-7 in this game. 
saying, "Oh no!" I said, "Go Bears!" Go Bears! Say, yeah, whatever bears. it was. Yeah. Um, and I was I was taking my kids to a Halloween thing, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I don't know." Um, and then I'm like, "How is like?" Winning. And then I start following it, and then I get home and I watch it, and I'm like, "What are we even talking about here?" Um, Oregon. So I, Cal was I, winning. I, went, I went. Yeah, I went back and watched the first few minutes. Um, it was. Uh, Oregon didn't play well in the first half. Uh, just they looked like maybe a little bit hungover from that, you know, big win over UCLA. Yeah, but they just didn't. They weren't playing particularly well. Um, they got stopped a couple of times, um, and uh, you know, defensively, um, they weren't quite lights out at the very beginning of this game. Um, then they were, and they blew Cal out of the water. But I do want to cite one thing: uh, uh, our man Land Danning, once again really underscores he's one of the best game managers in this conference right now the way he managed his timeouts he almost gave them i I think it would have been a 28 10 lead at halftime if uh it hadn't been a holding call for cal that pushed them back and that ran time off the clock he managed that the middle eight really well he almost gave them 40 seconds with the ball after they had just scored twice in like three minutes (laughs) um it was freaky uh no but like it's the basic stuff that you're always shouting from your couch at home at the TV. Like, what are you doing? Why are you? And he's doing it. Um, and yeah, it sounds really simple and stupid, but like when, uh, obviously when you're on the sideline, a lot of otherwise smart people get very dumb. He's not getting dumb. No. Um, and I think that's a huge asset, especially when you look at the talent margins again, my word margins, um, the talent margins for Oregon over a lot of the teams they're playing. When you add to that, that you've got an asset at head coach, which I think the the fairest description is that he's an asset, not a uh, guy who's going to take points away from you. Um, not so good for the rest of the conference. I'll say that. Um, and uh, yeah, they finished. They they this was a blowout again. Cal kind of snuck in some uh, junk time stuff. The thing I would say about Cal, um, they don't. The Bill Musgrave experience has not been enjoyable. No, a lot of it is their offensive line. Like a lot of it is the offensive line being horrible. Jack Plummer's not a bad player, um, but he's made to look really, really bad by this offensive line. And the same can be said for a lot of quarterbacks in this league this year. Um, But watching it, like there's there's some stuff. They're just not, and they've got some talent. I mean, they've got some talent at running back and at receiver. Um, but there's just uh, there is a, a dead space where that offensive line should be. There's too many handoffs that are like you have to make an amazing move to not lose five yards and you lose eight instead. You know, like it's crazy what that was going on. And I that middle eight, like Cal was feisty early, and they were, but they were, you know, this was a 17 point spread. Dave got this one right. I got it wrong. It was an 18 point margin, but Cal was there until that like kind of blitzkrieg at the end of the second quarter, right? And I think that's – that time around that time frame of the game, Oregon sort of like piled on a couple of touchdowns and you were like, oh, it was – you know, Cal was like, you know, up by three or whatever it was and they yeah. were in fine sp- position to cover and then it was just like – It was game over. Oregon like, just piled on. It was game over at halftime, um, like pretty obviously based yeah. on what had happened at that point. Um, once Oregon started going, they didn't stop. Um, and, and it wasn't just like blocking at the line of scrimmage. Like they had a near punt block. They got a field goal blocked. Yeah. A field goal, the block field goal, like that's the difference in covering or not. So, yeah. um, but Cal's offense were sort of like throwing the ball deep, which was a little effective sometimes. Like you talked about Plummer and Oregon just ran the ball. Bo Nix, three touchdowns rushing. He had three touchdowns passing as well. Um, you just can't, I think. Cal needed to get a stop or two. You can't just let Oregon score touchdowns every single time. Like they're going to get drives, but every one of them ended in a touchdown instead of like, oh, there was one 
the guy dropped the pass and now they kick a field goal instead. Like that never happened. Just Oregon was like touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Um, Cal's been held to 24 points or fewer in six of the eight games of the season. A little bright spot. And I don't know if this was just because it was garbage time, but Kai Milner came in. He was 8-11, 114 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He looked good, but it was serious drunk time. First TD pass. Uh, it's the second time he's played. Yeah, maybe you have an income. You know, the the transfer gets ousted. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Curious to see. I don't think so. Like I think I, I don't think anybody looks at that offense and says Jack Plummer's the problem. Yeah, there the, the offensive line was definitely a problem. Yeah. All right, we got our number nine team, Arizona Wildcats. Wow. Uh, and they were hosting our number three team, USC Trojans. Talk about another game that more or less went to our expectations, right? We we walked into this game and we're both saying, going to be a shootout. Don't really trust USC's defense. 15 and, and a half points is too many. Too many. Um, and uh, This is the first time I didn't pick USC to cover a spread all year. was right. Harrison. Yeah. And I would say for this one, I mean, it could have been closer. Like this could have been, this could have been neck and neck and yeah. potentially an overtime game. Um, there were, there was a couple, there was a bad call. But the one thing I want to focus on here, um, uh, I thought Arizona scored 37 points despite Jed Fish. I thought he was calling one of the worst games I've ever seen in the first half, especially. Um, there was so much throwing deep from Jaden Delora, um, like low percentage attempts at conversions. Like there was a lot of fades. There was a lot of attempting to just like get in one on ones and see if your guys can beat them. Um, and they had room in like the middle of the field. Like it seemed like they were attacking the middle of the field really well. And then they would just go to these low percentage throws to the sideline where there'd be like one option. And that was it. Um, I thought it was a really poorly called game from fish. Um, and they still scored 37. I think, you know, for, for USC's defense, I think there's obviously some concern, but I would, I would caution Arizona's offense is good. Um, like they're, that's a legitimately good offense. And, you know, you kind of knew coming into this game, they're going to be able to score some points and they've got three really good receivers. I mean, Singer, Cowing and McMillan, those are three guys that, um, Singer, Singer had three touchdowns and he had the, the, one of the best catches we've seen all year, the one-handed catch touchdown catch in the well, end Well, hell, zone. McMillan's one-handed catch early was also, I mean, it was into double coverage yeah. and he just like, Hey, I'm going to bring this down. With one arm, um, they were making freaky plays and cowing from like a quickness in the middle of the field standpoint. I don't know that there's a, a quicker guy at receiver in the Pac-12 this year. Um, so I would stack up their receivers against pretty much anybody. Yeah, uh, their top three. Um, so you know, I, if you're worried about USC's defense, I think there's legitimate reason for it. But this game alone shouldn't be like the the end all be all because Arizona's offense is good, and this was a this was a good Jaden Delora game too. Um, on USC side, uh, Caleb Williams is a freak. Um, just uh, he's he's an exceptional player. Um, even his incompletions, like there was that one, I can't even remember when it was. He was rolling left, um, got pressure on him, and just rears back and throws kind of across his body, and it's just a strike. Oh yeah, it was to Brendan Rice. Yeah, who once again dropped a ball that if it had been a spear, it would have killed him. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with that? Like that guy was good last year, and now he, I've seen him drop two balls. Yeah, that again, if the ball had been a spear, it would have <laughs> gone through his chest and st staked him to the ground. Um, but um, he had a nice toe tap 
touchdown catch. Maybe he's just too used to Colorado quarterbacks. Yes. And so he's used to like the ball being like way out here. Um, and so a ball that's like literally hitting him between the numbers all the time. That was a ridiculous throw. They they tweeted it out and you're like, he ran to his left and like hooked it and you know, you're and like, it was oh, on, it, was, it might on, have been batted away. Like, no, it got through all. And the it defenders. was on a rope. Like, a it rope, was just <laughs> hit him in the chest in the end zone, and just drop it. I was like, Whoa. yeah, he's a freak. Uh, once again, I, I walked away from this game thinking, hey, uh, hey, Lincoln Riley, had had you watched this defense before? Like, had you watched Arizona's defense before? Travis Dye only had 20 carries in this game for 113 yards, and it just feels like. Okay, yeah. uh, maybe not Travis Dye, but Austin Jones only has five. Why are they only running the ball 32 times against this run defense? Um, and I think some of it's like, let's get Caleb Williams' number. You know, we know we can throw on this team too, and that's not illegitimate, but you could have controlled this game a lot better if you'd run it more. Yeah, um, that was the thing. I mean, they scored a bunch of points. They had missed a couple of field goals. They had a long touchdown pass negated by a holding call like i think the offense was fine but, but yeah they could have run it more this is where the game management side where i i look at a guy like landanning he understands the game management stuff i don't know if lincoln riley because he's so used to those kind of like big 12 shootout games or whatever yeah um where the, this game would have been one where at some point usc go put together an eight minute drive with yeah. your run game um and just put this one away like keep the ball away from arizona's offense which is the only part of this that can beat you yeah they did that a little bit, uh, and this we're going to talk about. We have another game to talk about, but two weeks ago we had that USC Utah game. Uh, both teams came out of that beat up. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Utah in a minute, but USC. You know, we kind of thought that Jordan uh, Addison would be out, the Belichick Award winner. He was Eric Gentry, who's you know their best linebacker for sure. The ASU transfer, he was also out. Mario Williams, their second best receiver, um, he was out in this game. Andrew Voorhees, their best offensive lineman. Um, he was out. Their other inside linebacker, Raylan Goforth, was out. So they were pretty beat up coming into this one. And Caleb Williams had his career night. He had three, 411 yards. He's thrown 10 touchdowns over the last two games. But I was impressed not just because of his poise and the way, you know, he had a lot more time. Like Arizona's pass rush is non-existent. So he had a lot more time to kind of survey the field. But to lose your top two receivers like that and then still throw for 411 yards and five touchdowns, that, that was impressive uh, for me. But Arizona's wide receiver core, their offense is really good. Like T-Mac is one of the best receiver recruits that we saw in the conference, and he's at Arizona. Um, he's going to be making a lot of plays for the rest of his career there. It's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Uh, yeah, but it's like, you know, I'm, uh, I think I'm bullish on, on Arizona's future still. Um, you know, that's... They were not, I mean, they weren't far off in this game. I think the the thing that gives me pause about Arizona is... They already went through a defensive coordinator change last year, and I'm not convinced Johnny Nansen is the answer from a schematic standpoint defensively. Um, they don't seem to adjust really well. Um, they don't seem to make the right calls before the games, and some guys have regressed on the defensive side of the ball. So take all that you know, together, and it's just we've seen a ton of improvement on the offensive side because they added a quarterback and but you could already kind of see it last year that schematically what they were trying to do and it just they didn't have the pieces this year they have the pieces and suddenly it looks a lot better i don't know really what they're trying to do defensively don brown had a kind of an ethos and i thought the defense even though it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination they stepped up at times this year it just doesn't seem like they can they have the ability to yeah and i pin a lot of that on nansen because the talent has upgraded uh defensively as well yet they look like the same kind of mess this year um 
and that's where that's the part that gives me pause about Arizona's future is I think they're going to be forced to make another change at defensive coordinator. Probably. And that's a that's a that's an instability that was maybe a bit of an own goal um, that was for short term success. Uh, they wanted to get the recruits in. Nansen brought some guys over um, and certainly helped with recruiting. Is there a way to retain Nansen but give somebody else the defensive coordinator duties? These are the conversations I think Jed Fish needs to have this offseason because that's those are the kind of the aggressive moves that need to be made to turn this into a eight and four team next year. Yeah. Uh, four conference losses, at least 580 yards given up by Arizona and all of them. And, you know, it was 49, 49, 49, then 45 in this one with, you know, a couple of missed field goals and stuff. So, yeah, not good defensive performance when Arizona loses uh, in conference, especially giving up 49 to Cal is still like. Yeah is baffling of a result. Yeah, they're giving up tons of points to everybody. Yeah, lots. Okay, we uh, we already talked about Arizona State. Number seven team. Washington State Cougars. And uh, they were hosting our number four team. Utah Utes. This was a really interesting game. Um, there was a Thursday. Kanzano, yeah, on Thursday. Kanzano had a good story afterwards. Um, so Cam Rising, uh, everyone thought he was going to be starting. Uh, and then it was like 45 minutes before the game that Bryson Barnes uh, was tapped to be the starter, but they didn't tell anybody. No. And so FS1 is like running graphics for Cam Ward, or sorry, for uh, Cam Rising to start the game. Uh, and then Bryson Barnes, pig farmer, comes out there. Um, and Gonzano's uh, uh, story was all about, you know, and I thought Petros handled it really well. He was like, look, I get it. Um, you know, it's it's football. It's been a long time since I put a helmet on, but we want to showcase these guys, and we can't do that if we don't have the information. Because um, we could have done a whole thing about Bryson Barnes. We could have done a whole thing about him pregame, but we weren't able to because nobody shared that information with us. Um, that's a side note. Uh, the the main note is Utah without like I don't know seventeen running backs and without their starting quarterback. Um, went on the road into a tough environment against a really good defense and pulled out a win, uh, 21-17. This was a really impressive showing from Utah. Um, Yes, it came against a Washington State offense that's been bad pretty much all year, Um, but defensively, this looked like one of their better games of the season. Um, Kept the ball in front of them, didn't allow big plays, Um, let Cam Ward complete as many one-yard passes as he wanted to. I mean, he was 27 of 31 for 222 yards. Um, it was unbelievable the amount of line of scrimmage, like just screen passes that they were throwing. And, blown and, up. Just blown up, blown up, blown up. at the line of scrimmage. Like, yep. They're like, don't. we're not going to let you throw these. And you just continue to throw line of scrimmage passes. You're like, what is going well, on? Well, and the thing is, if you're going to be that kind of offense, you can't take huge negative plays. And the thing is, Cam Ward, um, look – is he going to be a bad quarterback forever? No, I don't think so. But right now, he's bringing a lot of negative because he stands there and just takes sacks, and he walks into sacks, and he takes big sacks. Um, and you can't do that in an offense that is so, like, it needs to be so perfect all the time to actually score points. Um, and yes, the offensive line isn't good. I think that offensive line is better than Cal's. Um, and he's just, he's taken way too long to make decisions. He's taken way too long to, to make plays. Um, and so, yes, he has a sterling completions percentage in this game, but it was for basically nothing. Um, so anyway, uh, Washington state's offense is really a a major work in progress, but Utah, I mean, Bryson Barnes came in and looked a little like 
iffy in the first half, I would say, especially, but really started to come on towards the end of the first half. And then in the second half, I thought he was pretty darn good, actually. Um, you know, they, they did a kind of a running back by committee. Jalen Glover got a lot of it, but uh, former quarterback Jaquindon Jackson ran the ball pretty well, ran the ball with some, you know, power. Um, he's a big dude. Um, and, you know, that was really good um, for Utah, but they just kind of managed, they just kind of, you know, figured out what combinations were going to work and just tried to hammer them. Um, and, you know, I thought Kyle Whittingham actually managed the game kind of poorly, but each one of his decisions, which were low percentage, seemed to work out. So who am I to say? Um, but yeah, walking away with a 21-17 win was perfect for us. You know, Utah won, cover. kept the top four intact, but we also got the cover. We did. Cam um, Ward, I will say this about my man Cam Ward. He knows he knows what his what his job is. He knows that he's it's important to cover. He did this against Oregon, great too. Great teams cover. Yeah. Good teams win, great teams cover. Yeah, that was weird. Just the no cam rising thing. And I agree with Petros. Um, I hate this. Like I think Whittingham said that he they told Bryson Barnes he was gonna start like that when he was there. And like I I don't buy that. Um at this point, this isn't state secret stuff. Like, holy cow. Like you would love to focus like I mean, you would love them to be able to tell the story uh, of this, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just you don't know what's going on. I think USC did a little bit of this too. Like Mario Williams didn't play in the second quarter. They were talking about the announcers were talking about. Yeah, I think we saw him early in the game. Like didn't he wasn't Jordan, in. Jordan Addison suffered a serious leg injury, and we all had to play the dog and pony show this week that he might play or might not. Right? They said he was day to day. Yeah, like he's not day to day. Like I've seen a lot of injuries. Isn't he going to be out for several weeks? He, like, look at his leg. <laughs> yeah, like he looked like he was limping still. I mean, it, I don't like this stuff. I don't like this. It's not state secrets, you know, like, but whatever. So Rising doesn't play, you know, congrats to Barnesford coming in there. Washington State turned the ball over a couple times early. They had that targeting at the end of the, the half. Like, I felt like Washington State missed an opportunity here um, because they they were getting a, a, a injured Utah team, just like USC had a bunch of guys out. Utah had a bunch of guys out. Uh, that that game was physical. They got they beat each other up, and um, uh, so on the two targeting calls because there were two in this game: one against Utah, one against Washington State. Yeah, um, that's the kind of officiating I actually like to see, which is not mm. not that it was they were both like good calls or bad calls or whatever, but it was very consistent. Yeah, the that, one that when you saw tar- the second one, you're like that has to be targeting because right. the first one was targeting. Yeah, and the first one I don't think was malicious, and this I think this speaks to a need to change the rule book, not necessarily to change the officiating, because by the rules both of them were targeting. Um, but this is where the classic it should be a 15 yarder incidental for certain ones and kicked out of the game for the ones that are like actually malicious. Yeah, Though, neither of those were malicious hits. The 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 Utah one was just. I mean, I hate to use the word dumb, but it was just dumb because he had him dead to rights like yeah, for like an eight-yard TFL, um, and he just lowers his helmet at the last second and not even to do helmet to helmet. It was like it actually impeded his ability to make the tackle um, because he's putting his head in the way. Um, very odd. Yeah. When, when upsets happen, though, there's usually plays early on like could go one way or the other. Like this, it sort of went against Washington State, and they could have been up 14-7. They were end up down 14-7. And you just felt like, okay, Utah's going to, you know, do what they need to do and kind of stretch out and win this game. Um, and there was weird calls. And, like, it just seemed to – the calls were, like, you could see that they were wrong. And they the call on the field sort of went Washington State's way. But then it was going to get reviewed and then it was going to go Utah's way, you know. And um, the, the, the thing that – and this is where um, FS1, I think, is doing everyone a disservice is they're not having announcers there. And so they're watching oh, TV. Yeah. They're watching monitors, and they've got like a six monitor setup. I think they're watching the wrong monitor 
uh, during a lot of play action because they're trying to identify numbers would be my guess. They're probably watching like all 22. Yeah. And so when you're seeing the um, when we're all seeing at home, well, that's a horrible spot. Uh, they're not seeing that. Yeah. And so they were calling it wrong, too, a lot of times, which added to the confusion because it's one thing for the refs to be bad. But then we all feel like we're in Twilight Zone because like, the announcers are also calling it bad. And it's like they're not. And that's why I tweeted out at one point during this game. Are they there? And then we learned, you know, they're not. They're not Apparently there. that crew is never traveling anymore. Um, but that's where it was getting absurd because there were two spots in this game where it was just like, no, that's egregiously wrong. And this is going to get reversed immediately. And if the announcers were saying that it wouldn't be a big deal, but we all had to sit there and be like, wait, no, are, am I am I taking crazy pills? There's no way that's going to stand up. No. Uh, 10 tackles for loss for Utah. I mean, just insane. Like all those line of scrimmage passes just was not working. Um, I put a little note here that, you know, you got to thank me for making you switch this pick. So you you, you picked Utah. I, I already thanked you in public. That was very good. Um, for This is a second straight win by four points or less for the Utes. Um, prior to the USC game, Utah had lost eight straight games decided by four points or less. So they won both of those last two now. 150th career win. For Kyle Whittingham, uh, and for Washington State's the third straight game, they were under 20 points. I didn't realize that. And the fourth game held under 20 in 2022. So, you know. Can we talk about how much of a must win this was for Utah? Because this oh, yeah. was the last really losable one before Oregon. Uh, they've got Arizona and Stanford at home and Colorado besides. They might have the easiest non-marquee matchup slate of any remaining contender in the league. Um this was a huge win. They absolutely needed this one. 100%. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Um, we're going to a little time crunch. So we're going to do our picks, and we got to go through some questions. Back in a minute. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we're back here. On the POC, did you eat some candy during your uh, your break? No, you didn't. No, people watched me. I just sat here. You sat here. At my computer. Uh, all right, let's do our picks, and we'll try. We got a bunch of questions, so we'll try to get through them fairly quickly. Where do you have to be? Uh, I got another podcast to do. I, I got about I got about twenty five minutes. Oh wow! Think we can do it? Yeah, we can race through this thing. Okay. Damn. Um, okay. We got uh, we have a Friday game to start us off, and it's probably the best game of the weekend. We've got Oregon State Beavers on the road taking on Washington Huskies. <laughs> and just to clarify, Oregon State and Washington were both on buys. Uh, there we have Oregon State at number five 
uh, and Washington at number six. I didn't mention that during our uh, rundown. So this is a hugely important game for a lot of reasons, but 7.30, number 24, Oregon State traveling to Washington. Washington's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, not just for these two teams to determine who might be the third, the the fifth wheel in the conference race, but um, there's some weird tiebreaker rules in the Pac-12 this year, including yes. strength of schedule. Um, Oregon State has played a couple of these teams. They'll we'll have played three of them, I think, at the end of the day, Utah, USC, and Oregon. UCLA hasn't played Oregon State. Oregon State winning here would be bad for UCLA. Why? Because they've played Washington. Ah. So if you're a UCLA fan who's thinking about the tiebreaker, if they beat USC but Utah beats Oregon, uh, you want a Washington win here. And if you're for the other teams, you probably want an Oregon State win here. For For Oregon, it doesn't really matter. USC has a win over Oregon State. So they would rather Oregon State win. They don't play Washington. Exactly. So there's okay. a rooting interest here for a lot of other teams, in addition to the reality, which is both of these teams are alive in the conference race. They need a few things to happen, but they're alive. Um, so for Utah, too, right? Utah doesn't play Washington. They played Oregon State. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of rooting interest for Oregon State. There's there's UCLA interest for Washington. Um, so Washington's a four and a half point favorite. Um, this is I, I'm I'm going to be locked in on this game uh it's going to be a ton of fun i think these are two um really interesting teams oregon state's the more balanced one um they've got a pretty decent offense pretty good defense washington has a horrible defense but a really really good offense yeah um they're at home husky stadium's a tough place to play oregon state's been a different team on the road give me washington same thing and it's really just that home away thing i i mean yeah if this is at home i'd take an oregon state i would give four and a half points um but this is, yeah, I think Oregon State's been a different team on the road. Um, they come in ranked. I think it's going to be a one week of ranking. And uh, Washington gets the victory at home. And takes the ranking. They would take. They would overtake the ranking, yeah. Um, okay, uh, we've got our number in the country, number eight team. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> on the road. I don't know where they ranked, but it would be mm, like 130-ish or something like that. They're taking on Colorado Buffalo. It's a palindrome at 1230. Oregon traveling to Colorado, Oregon seven and one, Colorado one and seven. Uh, Oregon is a 31 and a half point favorite on the road against the Buffaloes. Yeah. Um, so Colorado did cover last week. They did. However, mm. however, they shouldn't have. It required a punt return touchdown. Yeah. I'm taking Oregon. <gasps> I think they're going to cover the 31 and a half. That's so many. I know. I think they're going to win this one by 38. So I think was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I took I took Colorado and there was like 24 and a half or whatever. I think we both did right. We both took Colorado mm-hmm. at where I forget where they played Washington. State, I mean uh, Oregon State or something. Um, this one's at home though. Yep. So to cover 31 and a half on the road. Um, Oregon just covered 17 on the road at Cal. Mm-hmm. Colorado beat Cal. <laughs> Give me Colorado to cover 31 and a half. You're doing transitive property for spreads now. But this is both road games. <laughs> both, you know, Oregon going on the road to both these this, teams. This will really test the road uh, theory in the Pac-12. Right. And the road theory did well last week. Yeah, I mean, Oregon... Um, the only way I can imagine them not covering is if it's uh, like 38 to 3 at halftime and 
Landon Danning just comes out in the second half and is just like, we're we're running the ball with our fourth stringer. That's the rest a of the game. That's a very yeah, like that's a lot. I mean, you can just take your foot off the gas and yeah. not cover this. Yeah, that's no, what I'm still taking Oregon. All right, love it. Uh, we got. Because they also want resume wins now. CFP rankings are going to come out, and they're not going to be happy with their placement. Mm, interesting theory. I like it. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're um, yeah. That seven touchdown loss on their resume is not going to go away, <laughs> no matter how much you beat Colorado by. Uh, okay. So next up, we've got Washington State Cougars <laughs> on the road taking on Stanford Cardinal. All right, the funniest part about everything is that these two games are on at 1230 opposite Tennessee, Georgia, and you know what all of us sickos are actually going to be watching. Right. It's these two pieces of shit games. It's so funny. Uh, 1230, Pac-12 Network, Washington State traveling to Stanford. Washington State, what did I have as the line here? Five and a half. Is that right? Oh, I dropped a five. Should we take the five or the five and a half? What do you want? Um, Let's see. Kind of depends on what you're picking, doesn't it? I guess it does. I haven't really thought about it yet. All right. <laughs> what you, so it's five. Let's do five. Let's, let's do, do five. five. All okay. right. So Washington State is a five-point favorite over the Cardinals. So we've got two things to contend with here. Um, the only good unit in this game is Washington State's defense. Yes. Um, everything else is bad. Um, Stanford's defense has shown a little bit more of a pulse of late, which I think will keep the scoring down. Um, Washington State's defense, or Washington State's offense, is not very good, and Stanford's defense has improved. They also rush the passer well which against this offensive line would concern me. Um, you know, Ernest Cooper, David Bailey, those are two really good young edge rushers for Stanford. I like Stanford here, and I like them to win. Wow. Um, I am I wrote down Stanford, too, so maybe we should take the five and a half. Let's do five and a half. We'll <laughs> yeah, what that, the hell? Since we're both going to take Stanford. Um, yeah, like, they're... They're just sticking around in games. They're- I don't think they're good. I think I think they're pretty bad, but I think this is one where, again, the matchups uh, make it a struggle fest for Washington State's offense, and that's just it's too many points. Um, you know, Washington State could still win this, but I think it's like a field goal, not a right. not five points. Washington State's not scoring a lot of points, so yeah. you, now you know they're scoring what, like under twenty. What did I say last last time? Like that's bad. Uh, maybe some of those like tunnel screens work against Stanford and you just throw it the line of, you know, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And you want to know what the over under is in this game? What? 49. Ooh. Yeah. Tasty. Uh, yeah. I think I, I think I'd hit that under because <laughs> Stanford hasn't scored over, uh, 20 points in like, I think it's three or four weeks now. And so you're saying Washington state would have to score like they'd 29. have to score a lot and I just don't see it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go with you and I'll take Stanford as well. Uh, next up, we've got Arizona Wildcats <laughs> on the road, taking on Utah Utes. 430 on the Pac-12 Network, Arizona traveling to number 12, Utah, Utah minus 17 and a half. Uh, is that what I had? Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, Utah minus 17 and a half. Um, I Arizona's a, a tough offensive team, but you could give me Utah minus 24, I think, in this one, and I'd probably still take the Utes. Um, I think it's uh, kind of one of those ones where Arizona shot its wad last week at home. Uh, they now have to go on the road against a really tough place, really tough team in a really tough place. Um, and Utah, we'll see. I mean, Cam Rising didn't look that hurt, so I would imagine he'll be back for this game. Yeah, um, they're, They might have some more health at running back. Who knows? Um, so yeah, I like Utah to cover this. I do too. It's close to where I would tip over, but I think you're right. Like if 
this is on the road. I think Arizona's not going to be as good on the road. They've just given up so many points. Um, I feel like they're going to give a lot up to Utah. And Utah's defense is going to be better. You know, Arizona will be feisty. They'll score. They'll get some great catches. And But I just think, you know, Utah's winning this by like 21 or something like that. Yep. Uh, okay. We got our number 10 team in the country. UCLA Bruins. On the road. Taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, number 10, UCLA going to ASU in Tempe. UCLA is a 10.5-point road favorite. Um, this one's I think, should be nerve-wracking for UCLA fans. Um, Arizona State, not good. Trash fire team. Uh, but they have gotten right in some specific ways over the last uh, they have. last week. Um, offensively, they have some playmakers at receiver, and they have a really good running back, and they have a quarterback who can make throws finally. Um, and a tight that, end who... Scored a million touchdowns. Right. Uh, that combination, I think, leads this into semi-shootout territory, so I'm going to take ASU to cover, um, and I think this is going to be a one-score game either way. I kind of think so, too. They've just looked a lot better. This could be one that they could come out firing, and you know, UCLA can just keep running the ball and, and get the win, and you know, maybe the Bruins win by 14 at the end, but I feel like it's going to be somewhat close, and there, you know, a weird play will go Arizona State's way at home, and but ten and a half is a lot, so you got to win, you know, by eleven. I don't know. I don't think I'm just going to take the points here because I feel like it's a road thing. Give me the home, the big home, double digit home dog. It's been working for me before. I'll do the same here. Yep. And one last one, we have California Golden Bears on the road taking on the number nine USC Trojans. All right, this is on 7.30 ESPN, Cal, traveling to number nine, USC. Uh, USC is a 21-point favorite. Is that what I had? You, uh, yeah. That's what you have, yeah. 21-point uh, favorite. When was the last time USC covered? Well, covered I guess they covered Utah. They yeah, did cover that one. They've covered – so they were 5-2 uh, and two against the spread. I think they're 5-3 and three against the spread. Okay. Now. Um. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. So Cal uh, on the road, they've got the Notre Dame competitive game. Uh, they lost to Colorado, and they got blown out by Washington State. Um, they've been a slightly different team at home, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, semi competitive against Washington, beat the hell out of Arizona. Um, Twenty one points is a lot points for a usc team that's gotten like inattentive at times um but cal is a trash fire and that offensive line is so bad that uh usc's rush should sack jack Plummer. i would say minimum of four times um so give me usc i don't feel great about it but i'll take usc in the points yeah i'm gonna do the same um given the points uh given the points yeah the USC's defense, when they do well, is like they force turnovers and they force negative plays. And Cal's offensive line is so god-awful. You feel like there's going to be a bunch of sacks. So they'll get stops based on that. Like, Ott will probably run for a bunch of yards, but they're going to force negative plays. And I think this USC offense showed what they could do last week. Like, I think they're at least putting up, you know, 45, 50 in this game. And I'm not seeing Cal scoring, you know, high 20s or anything so give me usc don't feel great about it either but i feel like usc's offense is going to be really good they'll score a bunch of points what makes you think cal's not going to score in the high 20s just the fact that they've only done it against one fbs team this year <laughs> yes is that what that's why oh okay <laughs> and this one's on the road yeah so 
Yeah, they do that. Okay, uh, let's get to, we'll try to rapid fire some of these questions. I got Frank in Sacramento. What WSU in Italian? He said Washington State University or WSU in Italian is pronounced what's the matter you? Mm. Mm, very good. We're starting off on a good, good, good note. Uh, this is from Brian. Got to be like Gonzano and Wilner. This week on their podcast, Gonzano and Wilner named their top five movies. The conversation came because Lan Danning gave his top five at Pac-12 Media Days and then uh, texted Gonzano he hadn't given his. Since, so since you guys just copy everything those two do, I thought I'd ask you. First, some guesses given your reputations. David Woods, lots of dystopian and communist propaganda mixed with dark humor. I'm guessing An Unfortunate Truth, Harold and Maude, anything by Michael Moore, and something artsy and foreign no one understands like Seven Samurai. People have such a terrible misread of me. Do you know what I watched last night? Uh, I finished frozen. up well actually I should say what I watched over the last several nights because I get maybe 45 minutes before I have to go to sleep every night <laughs> I watched Clear and Present Danger oh. which is a movie that is now 28 years old okay. uh, that I have seen approximately 75 times in my life like I can still quote most of the movie Nice. Uh, I watched that because it's a dumb action movie that's fun um I, uh, I I I like I like big dumb Marvel movies, um, and I like uh, I, I like dumb romantic comedies. Like Jerry Maguire, one of my favorite movies of all time. It's great. Nice. And then for Ryan, it's uh, I'm thinking Ryan likes more red blooded American thrillers like Red Dawn, First Blood, Rocky Four, where Rocky ends the Cold War by himself, and anything with his personal hero Chuck Norris. Keep up the mediocre podcasting, gentlemen. I'm not like even a Chuck Norris guy, I guess, but I'm more like Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me to like just pick movies and, out of the air. And I'll say this. I've never seen An Unfortunate Truth. Harold and Maude, I found to be one of the most insufferable movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Couldn't stand it. Um, most Michael Moore stuff is uh, 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 a little too preachy. Uh, a couple of his earlier documentaries I thought were like legitimately good, like Bowling for Columbine was good. Um, but some of the recent stuff, it's just weird. Um, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a real, uh, insular guy. I don't like reading subtitles that much. Gotcha. So like, I I don't like watching a bunch of foreign movies, which is a, that's a personal failing. I'll, I'll accept it. Um, but I, I don't, I don't really want to sit there and read during a movie. Um, and artsy movies, artsy movies drive me crazy. Like (laughs) Wes Anderson, I, I hope he never makes another movie in his entire life. Yeah. All right. We got to go. Um, and Paul but, Thomas Anderson, to hell with that guy too. There will be blood is a shitty movie. Boring as hell. Okay. Uh, we don't copy them, by the way. They copied us. We had the podcast for a long time. So yeah, we talk about the reporting because we're not like, we're reporting on our teams. They're reporting on the Pac-12. Yeah. We got a text. USC fans were right that there's conspiracy on who the conference wants in the championship. Not sure if the refs got the memo this weekend. He sent an attachment. It shows Pac-12 football championship game between Arizona and TBD. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Pac-12 app in case you never have seen it. I, I don't think they're still alive for the championship. Uh, this is from John, uh, formerly from SLC, now in Vancouver, Washington. Mm. Ryan and Dave, serious question uh, here. Why can't the Pac-12 and Big Ten form a merger with a Western division and an Eastern division? That way, Oregon and Washington don't get left out, and programs like Stanford and Cal don't have to consider whether or not investing in football is a worthy, in, or worthy venture. It seems to me that this could be a groundbreaking media rights deal. I also feel this would mitigate the travel challenges with two or three cross-divisional games per school. Does this make sense, or should I make an appointment with a psychiatrist at my earliest convenience? John, this makes a ton of sense. Um, It is uh, going to happen, I think, in the fullness of time, because uh, let's all—come on. 
take your take your hat off for a second uh, for your fandom. It makes zero sense that USC and UCLA are going alone to the Big Ten. It, it it's it's gonna be stupid. It's gonna be really hard on a lot of the Olympic teams. It's gonna be bad in a lot of ways. They're gonna need some West Coast teams. This will happen eventually. It's just negotiating all that stuff. Um, but I I like a bigger idea. Oh, what do you like? A general uh, college sports organization of some sort that has regional divisions. You know, one maybe that's Midwest, one that's like kind of Texas based, one that's in the South, one that's along the East Coast, one that's out in the West. And you could have, I don't know, somewhere between like 10, 12, maybe even 14 teams in each one of these divisions. Mm -hmm. And then they could all compete for their individual championships. Mm -hmm. And then there could be some sort of selection process to see which of the champions from those different conferences. Because like if one region's better than another region one year. Right, right. Yeah. So, so just to make it so it's not like automatic, but like, you know, you can then pick um, you know, certain teams that really stood out to then compete for some sort of unified national championship. What yeah, do you that think? It seems too far fetched. I I don't think that would ever work. <laughs> Refs from Tom. Hey Ryan and Dave, would you be shocked at the following? Waking up to a rainy day in Seattle? experiencing traffic during your daily commute on the 405, living in the Bay Area and encountering a smug person who loves the smell of their own farts, listening to this podcast and hearing David pronounce it Phoenix. No, you wouldn't. So as a Pac-12 fan, do we, why do we continue to grasp and clutch our collective pearls when the refs are terrible? And spare me the conspiracy talk. Even if there was, the refs would be too inept to pull off the conspiracy. Tom, couldn't agree more. Yeah, Tom, you're with us. We're on the same page. All right. Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Next up, this is from Andreas. Oh. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Forgive me for the length of these. One serious and one unserious question. Serious question. What does Cal do with Wilcox? What does Wilcox do with Cal? That has to be one of the most depressing programs that I've laid my eyes upon. They're three and five and almost certainly not making a bowl in their foreseeable future. At what point does someone in the department say, screw it, let's just hire Jim Mora and begin the Berkeley revolution? which I think could be a hit with the fan base. And would Cal even be able to hire Jim Mora away from UConn? How low has that ship sunk? I, I mean, I would take a stab at it. I think there's a couple of Pac-12 schools that it would make sense to try to go yeah. hire Jim Mora. The I think, fact that he's doing that well there. Colorado would make sense. Um, thematically, you're skipping the New Heisel era, but you're going right to the most fun I had as a UCLA <laughs> fan. You're going from Darrell right to Jim Mora. That's great. Um, he was and, on uh, game day. His house is haunted. Yeah, no, that was, that cool. was pretty funny. That was really fun. Cal would be a fit. Um, I don't know if ASU is a fit for Jim Mora, uh, but I think Cal and Colorado would both be a fit. Um, and then lastly, after UCLA's defensive and Wilcox's, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, apparently, Oregon offered him the job this offseason. That's insane to me. Um, We've discussed it. Yeah, it doesn't make. I don't any know sense. if that was true, but we'll see. Yeah. Lastly, after UCLA's defensive dominance over Stanford, is Clancy Pendergast a better DC than Alex Grinch? Personally, I think USC needs to fend off Grinch from head coaching searches by raising his pay and extending him. I think these first-year speed bumps will only go away if recruits know their DC has strong administrative support. Nice. I don't have a big... I mean, he took over the worst defense we've seen in USC's history, I think, last time. So they they didn't add the superstars on defense. You know, Grinch was a DC at Ohio State, Oklahoma. You know, he did a good job at Washington State. I'm, I think the jury's still out, but Pendergast we know, and he's pretty bad. But he did a good job uh, yeah. for the what was it sickness? Was that why? Why was uh? Yeah, so Bill McGovern was sick. Um, the UCLA defensive coordinator. So Clancy Pendergast was in the booth, like coordinating the I think calls. I don't know if he was calling everything, but he was coordinating coordinating all the calls. Stuff. Okay. Clay and Phoenix, uh, Arizona offense. During the USC, U of A, I just kept going back to the thought 
quote, is U of A offense really good? The receivers are by far the best part of this team. This morning, Ryan uh, posted the offensive points per drive stats, and I found them at 100 out of 132 behind Cal, ASU, and UTEP. That got me to dig into more advanced offensive stats, and everything I found gives me the impression that this is an average to below average offense. So I asked you two, how good is this offense, Clay and Phoenix? They're 100th in net points per drive. That's meaning the difference between their offensive points per drive and their defensive points per drive. In offensive points per drive, they're 24th. Mm. Uh, defensively, they're 125th. So net points per drive, they're at 100th. But uh, no, the offense is really good. Yeah, I think the offense is good. Yeah. Um, all right. Frank, again, uh, I know how to beat USC. I know how to beat USC if you're the home team in a close game. Just run off the field and hope the refs will say it's over. Yeah, Frank, this is the kind of whining I'm talking about. Stop it. Yeah, we don't need that. You won by eight. You should have won by 21. It's Arizona. They were 1-11 last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, D. Woods, Pac-12 refs. This is from Coach B in San Diego. Question for David. You make fun of USC fans for complaining about Pac-12 refs. I don't disagree with you. As a high school football coach, I hate when my players complain about the refs. That said, as a USC fan, I'm tired of the refs, refs having such a big impact. I don't complain when a quote, when a, and it's all caps, terrible call doesn't go our way because I know the refs are going to screw over the uh, other team eventually as well. As the official dignitary of the Pac-12, do you recommend, he has a lot of like all caps things, I continue to just assume the refs will be bad both ways and if uh, and it will not really impact the game or should I be upset that the officiating blows and expect nor more? For the record, yes, I'm a USC student, but I am a Pac-12 loyalist first. Fight on, go Bears, Cal alum, and bring SDSU to the Pac-12. Coach B in San Diego. It's got a lot going on. Yeah, I would recommend, yeah. I mean, the thing is, can we all just sit here and complain about the Pac-12 refs collectively? Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to disagree. I mean, if we wanted to sit and say, wow, god damn, they're shitty every week. They're mm. awful. Um, it's when it turns into like, oh, man, they're just trying to screw my team, and uh, they're biased against our team, and if that team happens to be USC, it sounds even worse um, because, you know, you guys have like, what is it? What is it? Like, how many real national championships and how many fake ones do you guys have? It's like 11 total. I think 11 total. And how many of those were the fake ones from like before time? Like three uh, or four? I don't think it would be four like se- It's like seven real ones, right? Well, it depends what, like, like, like from the 1920s, right? Aren't there, isn't well, like, there some dumb shit from then? Yeah, like when like, the when Ivy Leagues were like doing Yale stuff? Yale was good. Uh, Cal, yeah, yeah, when Cal they were still wearing Stanford. leather helmets. Cal like, and Stanford were okay, good. Okay, from like 1960 to now, how many? I think it's seven. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, nobody wants to hear you whine. Nobody. Nobody at all. So, like, when it turns into the specific stuff about, like, oh, they hate my team, and, you know, these two roughing calls were horrible, and I'm so sad, um, nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. Like, if you want to just say, wow, Jesus Christ, these refs are bad, and I'm glad we're getting out of this league, that's fine. I just want it to be where we're not talking about the refs, where it's just, it's not, like, this horrible call that changes, you know, no, it doesn't necessarily change the outcome of the game, but changes a lot. Like it just changes the narrative of what you're talking about. Because can you believe that the refs did that? Like, you know, it's it was, when you're like, but it was so cool that they just let the time go out. Like, like the was, referee was, holding the ball. And like, <laughs> that was so. Run the cool. clock. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> no, you no, you can't have this, Caleb Williams. Run the clock. I have the ball. It would be like, well, what like what could you do procedurally? Like if a referee came in and made well, the tackle or something? And I like, wonder. I've, so one of the things that I noted with that play, and we'll, we'll leave on this, is that um, they did make the offensive line move back. 
And I wonder if the ref was being super petty and was like, well, no, I should have been able to spot the ball and the clock should have started running because the offensive line moved too far forward. But the, it was if you already running. They had to reset it back like a foot or whatever. So if he was being super petty, he could have been like, no, no, I should have been able to spot the ball. The ball should have – because it's when he walks into the huddle area that the clock starts. Like when the ref walks in with the ball, he hasn't placed it yet, obviously. Yeah. But he walks in there and then he's like pushing everybody back a little bit. And I wonder if he was just being super petty when they were like, well, it shouldn't have started running. He's like, no, it should have. I should have been able to place that ball. And then they then they let the play go? Like, then it was like, wait, was this an actual play? Like, the Caleb was like rolling out to throw the ball. I'm like, wait, he shouldn't be able to even snap the ball. But now you're letting this play run? Like, the, the weird one at the end of the Utah game where, like, the USC was able to call timeout in the middle of an interception. That was like, so cool. I mean, there's like stuff like that. You're like, that's not, there's like rules. Like, you can't. You know, there's a rule book, isn't there? <laughs> like you can't call timeout while the play's going on. But you well, were, no, 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 you, you can attempt a, t- a head coach can attempt to do that, but you're not supposed to grant it to them. <laughs> no, it's just stuff like that. You're like, just we don't want to talk about that. Like, come on, come on, Pac-12, be better. Uh, all right, well, let's wrap things up. Get better, not better. I love it. I I said it right. You say, yeah, because you can screw that up sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. What do we go? Uh, hour and a half. Not too bad. Yeah, you rushed us out of here, but it's fine. We uh, Well, we had fewer questions. We had a bunch of questions, though. But thank you for everyone to watch on YouTube. We had, I think, our most people watching live. We had over like 85 people or something watching live. So thank you for that. Smash that like button. Subscribe. Do all those things if you're listening on the regular podcast feed. Thank you for that, too. Tell a friend. Get some Pac-12 friends. Are we going to be the most informative Pac-12 podcast? No. The most entertaining? Probably not. Uh, the best looking group now, nah, probably not. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but you should listen to us because we've been around longer. So that's probably a good reason why. Yeah. Yeah. But for David Woods, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.